a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of the Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Good morning, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you from San Diego. Uh, I just want to welcome those people in the United States as well as overseas. I know people are listening at different different times um, late at night, middle of the afternoon, and even around 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon in some countries like uh, South Africa or in the Middle East. Uh, we have a very interesting subject this morning. It's called Little Known Secrets of Success in Moving Small Business to Higher Levels of Achievement. And today we will be talking to our guest who is a a person that comes from big business but also started off in small business and worked his way up. He's an international businessman, an entrepreneur, still is an entrepreneur, who pulled himself up by his own bootstraps, taught himself how to survive and thrive at the highest echelons of big business. He originally came from South Africa. He had, uh, at one stage, I would call him the biggest fish in the fish industry. He had uh, a lot of influence there. He uh, worked in a company, in fact, founded a company called Oceana Fishing, which probably was the leader, in fact, was the leader of the fishing industry in South Africa, and eventually formed a group of companies called Blue Continent as well, of which he was the chairman, went on to the board eventually as well, when they were bought out by a very, very large conglomerate called Tiger Oats, the Tiger Group of Companies, and was on the board of C.G. Smith, also a large South African organization, had operations in Uruguay and also in Taiwan, and has traveled extensively around the world and is a very, very experienced businessman. Would you welcome him this morning, please? His name is Walter Lewis. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Terry. It's a pleasure to participate with you this morning in this sunny day in San Diego. <laughs> we make people jealous when we say that, Walter. We're not supposed to do it because other people are in cold climates and they hate us for it, <laughs> but I'm sorry. <laughs> Walter, lovely to have you this morning, and um, we'll go right into the show immediately and talk about Becoming a, a big businessman or a, business, a businessman who ran and was chairman of very, very large companies must have started off at some point. What was the inspiration for you that started you off in wanting to get into business, and when was that? Yes, Terry, in 1962, I was um, working for a company, and during the evenings, I think, think, think in my bath and elsewhere and think, what could I do to find a way to get into business with uh, very little capital. When I say very little, I mean uh, just about breaking even with my salary, so it had to be a low entry barrier. Uh, my first then would, uh, effort then was to be a realtor and do that work at night. That didn't work out. But then later I had an idea that I could pack frozen abalone, get someone to pack for me, find a market for it, uh, what is abalone? I, I don't know if everybody knows abalone what that is. Abalone is a shellfish, uh, and, oh. that, uh, and uh, it's highly regarded in the Far East. But frozen, the frozen product wasn't accepted at that time. It was oh. all being canned and shipped into Hong Kong, China. And uh, 
Yes, I packed the, some of that product, found, found a buyer after six months of working at it, and then found a packer who'd pack it for me. Now, how, to how, old, how, how old were you at that stage? I was 25. Oh, so you were young. Yes, and then I found a buyer who, uh, one, once I had that going, I had a packer then pack for me, and to fund it, I'd get a letter of credit, find out how a letter of credit worked at that time, and it meant then shipping, getting your shipping documents, and have a clean bill of lading, invoice, and cash the letter of credit, and in that way I made my first uh, $500. From there on, the business just grew and grew, and within 10, uh, 10 months, I found I had big competitors, I had people trying to buy up my supplier, and uh, I learned a lot. So, but pure determination, grit, and with an idea to move on and find other products that I can do the same thing with, I continued working at it and gave it all my, my, my best. So it couldn't have always been easy in those days, was it? What were some of the biggest challenges you had? The biggest challenges there was to fend off competitors and fend off the, uh, um, the bids that were being made for my product uh, and to have the loyalty of the customers and service them. And working, and of course with that I put in a lot of hours. I worked sometimes 24 hours a day and if I could do another, if I could have done 25 hours, I would have got up an hour earlier to do it. But what did you say, Walter, were probably some of the most um, helpful talents or characteristics of the way that you were operating that helped you to pull through in those tough times? I, it, was, it was a question of thinking through, getting a picture in my mind of what I was doing with a product, how it should be packed, what quality I was looking for, how to get it away on a ship, how to advise customers, uh, customers how, what was available, what was going to be produced, what we expected to have, and they appreciated that, and they knew they could rely on me and they could get hold of me any time to, to have that backup service. And so when you, I you said I deliver... Lot, you created a lot of loyalty then with the, yes. the people that you were working with. When I said I deliver, I deliver, and, and I yes. perform. And um, in, in, in that regard, uh, I had some advantage against some of the bigger companies in that I could make a quick decision being on my own. Whereas a big company was like a tanker moving along, tanker has to take an hour to, or rather, take 24 hours, maybe an hour to stop. I could switch and change a, a strategy, put up a new pack that they required, make a quick decision, and I do that on my own. So that helped. Excellent. Okay, so it sounds like you're a very flexible person always, and that you had to react or respond to circumstances as things changed, and you were constantly able to do that without getting paralyzed with the, with the, with the, new, with the new direction you had to go in suddenly. No, that's right. I, uh, well, because I was, had to survive, I knew what, I, what my budget was for, the, for every month. And, in fact, talking about a budget, the next move I, I made was to find a bookkeeper to look after my accounts, because I found without that, it was like, Sailing a ship without a rudder, but every yeah. every month I wanted to know what the accounts were doing and how it was how it was panning out, and I discussed this with my accountant. Say, this is what my budget is, is what my plans for the next for the next month, and then move move in that direction. You were always thinking ahead, weren't you? I had I had to think ahead, and 
because I knew what was happening on the supply side, and that was important. Right. One of the major characteristics of big business people, and in fact all business people that I have spoken to over the years, is that they always think about what's coming up around the next corner and uh, prepared themselves for that opportunity, whereas many other people that are working in organizations often think about what's happening right now, but you're always, you're always thinking ahead, and that's vitally important. By the way, folks, if anybody uh, wants to, and I would strongly suggest you do that, the, the show is, of course, meant to be entertaining, but most importantly of all is to come up with some ideas that are valuable, and there should be some aha experiences that come out of this and if you really want to leverage this opportunity is to make listening into us this morning or this afternoon or this evening a good experience simply by noting down or jotting down some ideas that you, you pick up from listening to our conversation today um, we're going to be going into a break in a moment Walter and yes. then what I'd like to ask you to do after the break is talk to you about a little bit more in depth about how you overcame some of those barriers, what you had to do, and what some of the challenges are that small business people have that uh, we could uh, maybe transfer from the lessons learned in big business and apply them to smaller businesses. So let's go into our break now, and we'll be back with you in a while. Stay with Walter and Terry. Speak to you in a moment. Bye. Good morning, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak again speaking to you from San Diego. My guest this morning is Walter Lewis, a top-level businessman who was chairman of various companies at different times, public companies, um, and has worked all around the world. And today we're talking about practical lessons from big business that are applicable to small businesses. And uh, we're talking about how can we move our businesses ahead, similar to what Walter has done at various times in his life. So he's a man who taught himself to survive and thrive at the, at the highest echelons of big business. Walter, it's, um, as, we, as we were talking about earlier, it wasn't an easy thing for you to do. You obviously developed great loyalties with your, with your clients. What kind of effect did that have? Well, it, it had a very, an impressive effect because once I had established that relationship, it, they wouldn't just move to anyone else that was offering them product because they couldn't be sure of the quality, they couldn't be sure of delivery, that they'd be on time, or they'd be, it would be, even if some of the clients offered at a cheaper price, they'd want to stay with me just because they had this reliability issue going. And they were hoping to build other items from me, and which they did eventually, and I supplied them. And grew, and they were, there was a, that relationship developed. You would take so you were, you, at, when you started off, obviously you were very small, you were uncertain uh, you know, in, the, in the marketplace. It wasn't something that you had great experience in when, when you went into it. You, you probably didn't even know how to do any exporting and didn't know anything about bills of lading and stuff like that. How did you overcome those uh, or that lack of experience and, and that lack of insight at that time? and be able to maintain the loyalty of those clients despite the competition beating away at your, at your business? Well, I didn't have any mentor at the time, but I, had, I, was, I was a commercial reporter for Rutland and Bradstreet at the time, and I'd been out to see businesses, and I spoke to business leaders. Yes. And I knew that I'd need to see a bank manager and talk to him and ask what, what a letter of credit was. Once I had that, and, uh, had that information and asked the client to open a letter of credit, 
it was and, and made the first shipment, then it was easy because thereafter I understood what I could do with that. And, and then I, put, I went one step further. I found out how I could end up paying the letter of credit 30 days after, I, after, after the shipment, uh, when I bought product, how to right. pay it 30 days after I bought so I could have a back-to-back sale, allow me time to uh, collect, some money. collect some money beforehand. Because, oh, I, because I was working back-to-back on, that was on the imports, on the exports, I got right. the cash right away. When I cashed it, the cash was there, I paid my suppliers immediately. Right. What impressed me by, from what you said was, though, that you were able to maintain loyalty from your clients almost from the very beginning, even although everybody else was trying to disrupt the influence you obviously had. Yes. And my question to you was, how did you manage to do that? Just by being frank with them, telling them what I, what I had available, yes. telling them when I was going to ship, performing, yes. Um, yes. And, and, and telling them that, I was, that the quality was good and that they could right. rely on me. And that's what they did. And then looking and asking them what else they would needed. Is there any other kind of product that they needed? And they did. Right. Some of them did. And I was able to support them and continue building with them. And in that way, so they also maintained the relationship. You were constantly communicating with them, weren't you? Yes, oh, yes. Telling them all the time what, you, what it was that you were doing that made them feel confident of their relationship with you and the fact that the supply was not going to end that's right. That's the idea. That's right. That's okay. Right. Now, you, you know, you didn't mention that, so I'm just trying to analyze for a moment, and I think that's that's what you're actually saying about it. So you developed, you know, it's interesting, um, years ago I remember uh, a psychiatrist who was a management consultant of all things, actually a medical doctor who had qualified as a psychiatrist, who once told me, that, uh, it was quite an insight for me, in fact, a, a revelation. He said to me one of the major characteristics of top business people, in fact, he said, absolute necessity is the consistent way in which they behave. He used the word consistent. Yes. And I believe that's what you are. You're a very, very consistent person. When you say you're going to do something, you follow through and you do it. There are no surprises. People feel more and more confident. The problem is that one moment of inconsistency creates anxiety in people's minds. And obviously, you're very patently aware of it, in fact, and make sure that, that, your, that your offerings... And your relationship is a totally consistent delivery yes. of, of what's actually happening. Yes, and at, a, you, at, a, at an early stage, I, re, I began. I established a brand name as well that would go to the market, yes. and that brand became m- more uh, acceptable as time went by, and others were asking for that brand. And even though others would come to me, I would stay with the people I supplied and built that kind of infrastructure where they had the confidence and I had the confidence in, in, in them as well, those that are who I was dealing with. It's the yeah. same as from, when from I... From the little bit I know about you, I know that you, the way that you build relationships, Walter, is really, I mean, over and above your business acumen, the way you build relationships, the trust relationship that you build and the fact that you're consistent is really the bottom line and the way that you're able to build your business by building your relationships with the people. Well, if I could just add something in a light-hearted way, it didn't help yes. me too much for the banks because they, <laughs> they, they, they weren't willing to just bet on me even though they saw the business developing. Uh, right, as right. time went right. along, although I established a second shipping and clearing company of my own to do my own in-house yes. business, moving right. later to building a coal store, I ran, yes. I, ran, I ran out of capital because I was always short of cash. And at that stage, I 
looked for a partner, and in doing that, I then looked to the largest fishing company in, in South Africa, which, which was Oceana, and finally structured a, transfer, a deal with them where I sold them shares in cash, uh, uh, sold them shares for cash, and, yes. uh, or showed, sold them my stock for shares in their business. And, and that was from Blue Constant? No, no, Blue Constant was my group of companies, Yes, which was a trading company, a coal yes. storage company, a shipping and clearing company. Right. And although the coal store was a 17,000 ton coal store at that time when it was built, uh, the trading company was the biggest part of the, the, the business. Because that's right. trading internationally. And the so volume was substantial. Pardon? So you got a partner then, and your partner was Oceana, is that Oceana, right? yes. Now known as Oceana. Of which you Group. eventually became chairman of. I was, yes, I was invited on the board of the company, and within about two or three years, I was appointed a CEO and uh, chairman of the board. And uh, that was a substantial move in from a small business to a big business, changing my mindset then how to manage a company with nine strategic business units and uh, 120 vessels in their, uh, in their portfolio, um, restructuring this company and building it into a uh, even right. larger company than what it was right. at that time. Right. And that took a lot of effort and time. Okay, so Walter, you know that's a, that's an amazing thing that you're telling us about right now. Um, it just it, it just I mean maybe there's some lessons there for smaller businesses that get to a point where they don't have sufficient capital. The business is going well. They've established the relationships with their clients, but they ultimately get to a point where they just need to move on. Or just go down the tubes, I suppose. Well, what advice would you have to smaller businesses in, in relation to getting a partner, for instance? I would say that most of I would say all comp- those companies, if they grew, they'd always be short of money. They'd always be yeah. short of cash. And then it's vital to stop back and say, uh, think and look at the situation. Can they get an investor? Can they raise finance in some way? Can they offload some stock to get some cash in hand? One of those techniques, or take or merge with someone in, uh, with the same synergy uh, yes. in the business right. or a similar business and grow it that way. But don't hesitate. Right. You, you need to be able to structure uh, a working relationship or a shareholders agreement that works for both of you and uh, which has an exit strategy in the end if either one party, party, party wanted to get out. Right. But, uh, so there are techniques that you can use and uh, now were you were you not afraid maybe of losing control of your business by going into a larger business and uh, having a partner that um, I don't know maybe that well, was even well, larger than well what I did first I sold the uh, controlling shares of my trading company and, and, and trade traffic the shipping company but I had a 50-50 partnership with yes. the cold store but with equal and with equal voting rights so oh. that 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 maintained the some strength for myself, but to move on without having that uh, partner, partner with that kind of count and finance, I really couldn't uh, grow at the pace I wanted to grow and the business that was coming my way. Right. But in the end, so in it was that a, sense, for small businesses, we we need to be aware of the fact that there does come a time where we we do have to shed a certain amount of control of a smaller business in order to move it forward. In, the, in fact, for you, that must have been a quantum leap because you yes. went from being a small business into a very, very large business. Yes. Okay.
game. I don't know whether you ever pictured it, being your business being that big. I didn't, have to, uh, but as time went by, I, admit, I felt I had no choice to make, but to move that forward. At the same time, right. having, having a shareholding in, in, in a public company, that it, it, it gave me, in fact, I was earning, at the end, end of the day, I was earning far more money than my company was growing at. Because, <laughs> because I, was, I was then drawing cash and dividends from that company. But right. if you want to go back to the, being a small company, before you get to that stage, it, uh, that took me, what, seven, uh, eight years before I got there to that point. Right. So I think that uh, in, at the earlier stage, that's when the, that was the most difficult part to go month by month to succeed in the, what I was doing. And one of the things I did early, 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 early on was to build a brand and follow up into the uh, with my with the markets and be constantly in touch with clients to find what was available, what they what they wanted. Not only on the overseas market, um, because I didn't start. I started with Japan, but then I moved to other countries, into Europe right. and elsewhere, and then established a company in Taiwan to get access supplies of product there. Right. Uh, then a, a company in Uruguay accessing product out there. So it's a very widespread business, and I suppose that uh, we really have to have very, very strong vision in our mind as to what we're looking to do. Walter, in, in what we're doing today, I think what's vitally interesting for, for, for the audience that's listening internationally is to find out not so much what you did, but why you did it and how you did it. You know, it's, it's not the actual details of, of where, where you set up the business that is so absolutely riveting for, for an audience. It's what can we learn from this experience ourselves? Are there, for instance, opportunities for us around the corner or breakthroughs that we need to make in our business to look at a, at a way of leveraging what we're doing? We're going into a break right now. I just want to mention I've had two emails just come in, one from Cape Town, South Africa, actually, from a, from a businessman who's, a, who's been a friend of mine for many years who says he finds it absolutely fascinating what we're talking about today. Uh, his name is Peter. I'll just use his first name for a moment. And then I've got a, another uh, young businessman, actually, uh, Ian, who's phoning, phoning in from San Francisco. Let me give you the number again. If you want to call in to talk with us, the number in, in the United States is one eight double six four seven two fifty seven ninety. One eight six six four seven two fifty seven ninety. We're going into a break now. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak. We're going into the third part of our show this morning. We're talking to our guest, Walter Lewis, who's a businessman from, uh, well, international businessman, originally from South Africa, like I am. We're talking about practical lessons from big business that are applicable to small businesses and some of the difficulties and some of the quantum leaps that uh, Walter has made over the years. Walter, you said, uh, we were just chatting during the break a moment ago, and we were talking about, um, how, what's, what some of those challenges are in small businesses again. Do you want to just go back to that conversation we had a moment ago? Let's talk about that. Well, I think initially when you start out, it's the stress of knowing what you're going to sell or make yes. of the product, depending what kind of business you're in, and making sure you get the returns to cover your overheads and then to be able to meet the market requirements. And, 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 and one thing that would have been of tremendous help to me, uh, Terry, and we never talked yeah. about this, but I would have said that um, I didn't have a mentor, but if, if, if I had known about a man or service like yourself or someone I could talk to, it would have, it would have helped enormously. Uh, 
because that, that could have assisted uh, to bounce ideas off and directing one in, in the direction to go. So a lot of that I had to do with trial and error and find my way. Uh, and of course, finding, finding the capital, being able to sell back to back to make sure that you had, were able to sell and get the money in as soon as possible with everything that you bought or sold. So those are the difficult stresses that I had in, initially. So what do you want to tell business owners and small businesses that would make a difference based on that? Well, I, you know, very often, um, they, they would be questioning themselves and saying, am I going to succeed? Or someone says to them, uh, it's, you know, you've got the competitors out there. I would say, focus on what you've got or what you're trying to achieve. If you feel or believe that you'll make a success, stay with it and be determined and go, go, go flat out and work with that determination and vision in your mind. You told me a little bit earlier that uh, you had lots of people telling you that there was no way that you were going to succeed in, 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 in that kind of business because it was so cluttered with uh, very successful other businesses. Well, they were huge businesses with, with lots of money and, uh, and, and then to find my way through uh, the yeah. gaps and to get into the, into the industry and to achieve maintaining the market. I could only do that with good service and with the support of my suppliers. Um, of course, with all the determination in the world, it's, there was also a little bit of ignorance because I didn't realize my, they could buy up my suppliers. Uh, these fellas uh, had big money. Uh, but fortunately, uh, that didn't happen. Uh, it happened later, later, later on, but by that time I already established many other products and grew in other areas already. So I didn't just fix fix my business on one item. Once I found that that item was taking off, I looked for other items, scanned other items, right. scanned other markets, and then kept moving ahead. And then from that point, I, as I was growing, I knew I needed to take on someone who could consist and train, and I, I did that. Uh, so it sounded like you were always keeping ahead of the game. You were buying in new, getting new products, never ever getting stuck with one particular area of the business that is that side of the right. business failed, you would have nothing in reserve. You always had a plan B. In, in plan B and then having, having and then training, training someone, to uh, an assistant, to learn the yeah. business, to learn the technique, to work on the same philosophy. Yes. And having a good secretary on the board, she was my first contact to, to the outside world and to be able to, to answer the questions, uh, do, do, do the typing, get out our invoices on time. Then, then to have a bookkeeper, as I mentioned to you before, or a CPA. So you surrounded yourself yes. with, with highly competent people that, as you put it, fitted into the puzzle that you, uh, that you were building. Yes, everyone who had a job to do knew what, what they had to do, and they performed accordingly. Yes. Uh, but before getting to that stage, when you, when you were smaller, that was even more, more difficult to even uh, get right. to that yeah, point where you can enjoy those people. Right. Uh, and it, I did that step by step. How, how to tell small business what to do other than to say, just stay with what you've got in mind, focus on it, and, and, go for, and keep going. Don't give Regardless up. of what the competition's telling Forget you. Forget about that. Even your, your business friends were telling you you couldn't make it. That's right. <laughs> but it didn't, it, uh, if I'd listened to anyone, I wouldn't have, been, I wouldn't have got what I did. So I would say just ignore that and believe in yourself and keep 
and have strength and keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I, we, you know, we, we don't realize when we get into business what some of those challenges are and that there are what I call silent enemies, people that are supposedly our friends, but in fact are our enemies because they're constantly looking at us as though they're expecting us to fail and we get that feeling from them the whole time that they're expecting us to fail. And we're sticking our necks out and taking chances to try and run the business more effectively. No, well, this enthusiasm uh, flowed over to, my, to, to the people I've employed who work with me. And, yes. um, and, and also, I listened to them. They also had ideas. They also uh, contributed to the business. Excellent. And I think that's a valuable point. You can't yeah, do everything yeah. yourself. Right. I think from listening to you and talking with you before the show, in fact, I think that's one of the most significant things that you that you you told me, and that I've seen you moving around and the way that you. Uh, I mean, you're a very endearing, charming kind of person, and your human relations skills are phenomenal, Walter. And it's not. And I'm not talking about um, being glib or being smooth or any of those things. I mean, obviously, you're a worldly, sophisticated person, uh, citizen of the world, in fact, and you you move easily in different uh, cultures. I can see that you do that because you. You're, you're, you're very sensitive about your relationships with people. So those factors make a huge difference in business as well. But most important of all, people sense the innate honesty and the trust that they can have with you and, and are able, as a result of that, to see the consistent way that you operate and feel comfortable with you. You don't create anxiety with people. That makes the difference. Well, you'll find that people want to help you as you're going along. Exactly. As you're and then you can up. assemble them around you, people that you feel that you trust, and they want to help just because of the kind of person you are. Yes. And that makes a huge difference, Walter. Well, so that's... Yeah, I, I mean, you... I think you, you summed it well, up. Well, on the one hand, you say you never really had mentors. On the other hand, you had a bunch of people around you that were supporting you and helping you and... Uh, uh, adding additional areas of te- of expertise and technical skill that made your bu- your business life a lot easier. Yes, um, I think that 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 about sums it up. Yes, that's vital. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more now. When we're talking about, I mean, here you are in the United States at the moment, and you're looking for um, new opportunities. Eventually, you sold your businesses. Why did you do that? I, I'm at the age of uh, 68, Terry. Uh, yes. I thought it, it's by time I moved on. And what made you suddenly realize I, that? When I look back at my life that I've been working 45 years, putting a lot yes. of effort into it, and in fact, one of the negatives here is the too much. I gave too much time to the business and not enough time to the, my family. Uh, and that was a downside. And that balance I would like to introduce to you and say to you that one has to stop and think about that. That's one get, I, get, I get caught up in it, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a common fault. But if I could change anything, that would be the only change I'd make. Other than that, I enjoyed everything else I did. But uh, I felt that I needed to give time to my family. There were other things in my life that I wanted to do. I wanted to have a more rounded idea of what goes on in, in, in social life, in, in, in right. other, pi- other parts of the world, and to add other knowledge. But would you say that you were slightly out of balance then, in, w- in, in the way that I you was, lived your life? Yes, well, because I was totally focused on only looking at business and only thinking of making money, and that's what I did. Uh, okay. uh, and I enjoyed doing that. 
but there are there comes a time that you want when I felt in my own life I wanted other things that I wanted other balances now that you could have I could have if I be more sensitive I could have backtracked and in the earlier in my business life I could have set aside time uh, but yeah. somehow the business always was growing or there was never time for that yeah I don't think it was just a matter of making money uh, Walter it was also the fact that you were so enthusiastic about the challenge of being in that uh, in that cauldron almost you could call it Yes, well, yes, <laughs> almost on a treadmill. You excited about it. I mean, that gave you, you almost defined yourself as that person. Enthusiastic, always, yes. looked at, uh, always a challenge, always advising right. others, always assisting management, introducing right. new ideas, checks and balances. Right. Let's uh, talk about that when we come back from the next break that we've got, and we'll come in and we'll summarize some of the things that we've been talking about that would make a, a difference to smaller businesses. And business people in big business as well. So stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the last part of our show today. We've been talking with Walter Lewis, an international businessman and entrepreneur. We're talking about practical lessons from big business that could be applicable to small businesses. And Walter ended off the last session just talking about how I eventually got to a point where he decided that he needed to experience new things in his life. And this is at the age of, what, 68, Walter? Yes. Where you decided that you were going to sell your your shares and uh, move into a completely new area. That's very brave to do that because when people get that big in business, they define themselves through their business. I mean, you are, in other words, I'm a CEO or I'm a chairman of such and such a company, and that's how you actually see yourself. So obviously there was something missing there in the balance that you talked about. So the question I would like to ask you is, what are some of the things that you felt that were, were missing in your life outside of the business? Obviously your family, but outside of that too. What was it that you, you felt that you needed and that was missing for you? Well, I needed to uh, have time off for myself to travel and do things that I wanted to do. Like I, what? I, I wanted to go and do... Uh, Big game fishing. I did that. Uh, you hadn't had enough of fishing. I, didn't, I, I never <laughs> went out on any of the boats that we had, ever. I ran yeah. companies and I ran business. I ran international trading operations. And you never went on a boat. I never went out, I never went out on a boat. But so I went out and Until did you this. I wanted, yes, I wanted to do something now just to say that I've done it. I've caught a marlin and I've caught some <laughs> salmon and that sort of thing. Oh, that, those are small issues, but... The real thing was to be near the family, uh, near near the grand my grandchildren, uh, right. get to know them, get to take them out, see them, and enjoy them, and uh, and and also to expand the areas of uh, contact with friends and associations. One last thing I'd them. like to just discuss with you um, at this point is big business over the over the last few years, particularly in the United States, but not only in the United States, has had a really bad rap from from the public and from the uh, media uh, um, with with all kinds of business people doing things that they shouldn't be doing, dipping in the pill and so on. Um, I know that over and above just simply making money in your businesses, you did some really good things, uh, social conscience type things, uh, to work with your people. What were some of the things you worked on? Well, in in the corporate company, I decided to... uh Set up seminars that would be yes. add to the value of the the, the, the people of working for, for for me and working for the group, and I set that up and sent them to seminars. Uh, initially, there was a little grinding of teeth, 
I've also got, got uh, someone to come out and do, teach them how to speak, how to present themselves at the board meetings, how they could talk, and right. how they could uh, um, have more confidence. Some personal in development type programs yes, that is one organisation. The other, I, I, the other is uh, looking at the nine strategic units and the staff and people that were employed there. There were over 2,000 uh, people employed in, in this group. Uh, I built three clinics in different in strategic areas, which uh, the staff could use, and also people in the community. They had medical access. Clinics. Pardon? Medical clinic. A medical clinic, yes, a medical clinic. And then right. I introduced housing, built some built, uh, roads. I got the board to agree that we build roads so that we could show the communities that we were putting, also putting in something to the areas, so that we were, we were concerned about them and that we would help out. And this was, this was appreciated, and we had the support of these communities. Uh, we helped the schools and also uh, increased uh, some of our canneries and right. got, employed more staff, put out the propaganda on that, uh, and, and, and it was important to keep everyone informed what was happening in all these strategic areas. Excellent. So you didn't just, it just wasn't just a money-making yeah. machine. You actually did plow back. Uh, I, I, I felt very strongly about that. It was important to do that. And, also, and then right. as far as the, uh, controlling the company, there was an audit committee where, yes. where there were outsiders, outside persons import, uh, brought into the audit committee. And, 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 of course, uh, some of our staff members, our CTAs, and have an independent report uh, so that there was a check, checks and balances. We made, uh, made sure that the pensions were, were, funds were never touched, never used by the company, and that was set aside and then hived off eventually to be managed independently. Of the it's astounding to me how, how we hear in the United States about how pension funds have been raided and abused over the years, and people have left big businesses, had all the loyalty. It's not surprising that people are not loyal in, in, in business today, but they just don't trust the, the, the uh, executives and organizations, don't seem to trust their people, and the people don't trust them. But you're saying that you never touched any of the pension money. Not the at all. No, no, no. That was absolutely out of the question. Sacrosanct. Huh? Uh, that's right. Uh, I felt that, that we could never put the staff at risk by, by being involved with the pension funds. And that, that matter is still, is still in place today. In fact, it's uh, been adopted by most companies uh, in, in South Africa. Very good. Yeah, I think lots of big businesses could learn at least from that. And that's something that just absolutely needs to be done. It's an area of integrity and uh, ethics that is absolutely vital in big business. So I applaud you for... Well, I can't talk for what happens elsewhere. I just, I'm just telling you what we did, what I did. No, I, I was brought up in that environment as well. I mean, it was astounding to me to, to hear um, in some of these controversial uh, big cases, fraud cases, how pension funds have been used in the United States to finance various things and uh, the money has been taken instead of being... I mean, it was set aside especially for the people. Anyway, well, let's let summarize what we've, what we've talked about today very briefly. Some of the things, uh, maybe in a checklist of things that you would recommend from the things we talked about today for small business people. Well, the, I would say that the first is to focus, right. determination, 
Yes. Have a vision of what you intend to do. Exactly. And, uh, the vision and, get, and, service, and service your clients. And as you, as you move along, assess your strengths and weaknesses in the market. And, yes. and then don't hesitate to take on and employ someone that you need. And, and, and yeah, I think that's what you, what you what came across very strongly today, is that you definitely surrounded yourself with good people that you did feel that you had a, a, a total trust relationship with, and you were always loyal to them, and always, and the key word again is the word consistency. Consistency with the people that worked with you, consistency with your staff, consistency with your clients and customers, and your suppliers as well, so that there were never any surprises. I think that's the most important I quality. felt that... Very seldom talked about it. To me, the dollar, it, I, I, I looked at things a little differently than I've heard spoken about yeah. here in the U.S. So the dollar counts. For me, the supplier counted. Because without the supplier, I couldn't do yes. my business. Right. But the, you see, there, that's what I mean by consistency. Consistent image with all those different stakeholders in your business so that everybody was considered to be an adult and everybody was considered to be important to you. And you, you obviously went about making them all feel part of, of, your, of the total show so that everybody felt that you, you treated them with a great deal of respect. Vitally important element. Nobody was less important. Yes, that's what, yes. That's, that that, that yeah. came along a little later as as I made I made the funds that I could actually put I can take on additional yeah. people, but and you grew the business. But you had to but get to that point. Start, but you started that also, Walter. From listening to you, you started it earlier as well, and you you always had a respectful attitude towards people, even if you had competitors, you were able to do that. So I want to thank you very very much for bringing that level of integrity to our show today and. Uh, the insight of that it's possible to, to do big business, to make lots of money, and at the same time to do it in a in a in a, in a way that uh, that you can live with yourself. You can get up in the morning or go to bed at night and feel that you're a worthwhile human being. I just want to mention to people listening in that our guest next week is Ian Brody. He's going to be talking to us about mobilizing our humanity at work to build high-performing companies. He's a director of strategy and business development at uh, Nokia in the area of enterprise solutions. He's worked for Apple computers as well. And he's got some insights on how to bring a certain amount of humanity without going deeply into the humanity side, but ethics and humanity into business to follow on from what Walter talked about today. Thank you so much for being with us, Walter. Thank you, Terry. It's a pleasure being on your show, and good luck with all the endeavors. Thanks so much. Goodbye, everybody. Until next week, we'll see you soon.